2: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tone Arries podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. Roman is on the deck. Say hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. And this week we have the CEO of South and West Irish Fisheries, Pat Muffy. You and dead? you've come with supporting evidence. Before we get into all that, Pat, <laughs> for the people
3: that don't know you, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from? So um, I'm a dad. I have four kids married to Rose. My eldest lad is working now in the business that I started when I finished school uh, in aquaculture and mussels. So he's working on that. My other lad is on the spectrum and my two girls are in school. Autism, is it? Autism, yeah, yeah. And where are you from? So I'm from Skib. I was born and reared in Skib. Grew up there and very proud of my footballing uh, achievements with the town and uh, stepped away just as they won the All-Ireland,
2: you know, so... Are you of Tony Davis's vintage?
3: Well, they'd be older to be more... um, uh, Don Davis, you know, Dan yeah. would be a little bit older than me, so I played with Don. We won a county middle together. Brilliant, brilliant. I won it with him. I'd say he'd be saying, yeah. he'd pulled me along the road. Skibbereen's you know? a
2: beautiful town, isn't it? Savage, yeah, yeah. that's a great place. It's though. the history down there. Mm. You know the, the that that grave, the famine yeah. grave, and the, the the heritage site there is yeah. amazing. Like what yeah. if you're, when you're going through the town and what it, what it must have been like mm. there 150, 60 years ago, the heart of the famine, you know.
3: You yeah, we we, then, we yeah. actually come from Hare Island mm-hmm. in a Shaudriscal, and the story behind that was um when Baltimore was sacked. That's yeah. when the Skibereen was farmed. Like the boys yeah. came from Tunisia. The out right, yeah. took the first slaves, they were the first slaves, and uh, the um the prince, um uh, the O'Driscoll prince, he fled to Hare Island. And I was told actually in one of the interviews in America that Murphy is the actual name for Irish Sea Warrior. And I said, of course it was. Sure. He had to come up and we had to protect them above and air island. So that <laughs> got a good laugh. You know. And is uh, Skibbereen a big fishing town? It's not. No, but it, it had a, a fishing co-op. You know, yeah. we had air and foods factory inside there at one stage and that closed down and the lads went in there selling fish and that didn't quite survive. Look, we, we've been savaged um, with the last number of decades. Our fleet. Imagine in this century, we had over 400 boats over 15 meters in our fleet. And that's small, like. And we're looking at now that being reduced to 120. So that's annihilation for our fleet. When you say
2: we, are you talking uh, for South and West Ireland? No, the whole country. The whole country? The whole
3: country, yeah, that's all you'll be left with. So, like, it, it's it, the reason why I enjoy coming and delighted and thankful for coming to this. Just to let the people know, like, we have the best resource in the world around our island. We genuinely do. We're sitting on the continental shelf. It's where the fish come to breed and spawn. And, and you know, we, we populate all the other oceans of and, and seas. The mackerel now, 60% of the mackerel come to our area to spawn and grow. Like, there's actually an egg survey going outside the parking point going on at the moment, you know, to count the mm. eggs and see what fish will be there in the future. You're talking about, uh, a, a, a catch of a million tons, right? That's what the fishery is. Ireland gets 55,000, 60,000, mm. you know, we have blue whiting as well. You know, we were talking about that there when we were on about the Russians, that their fleets were outside the zones and yeah. it was to their advantage too, that they wouldn't be blowing the place up like, and, uh, another million tons of quota. So we've sixty thousand of the mackerel. How many do you think we should have of a million tons of blue whiting? What do you think would be a fair share? When seventy to eighty percent of that fish start here, would it be stupid to say all of us? Yeah, well there <laughs> you go. Like you know, most countries would be looking for all of it. Yeah. No, around thirty, thirty-four, thirty-five thousand tons. It's nothing like. It. Just out of a million tons. Out of a million tons. Yeah, yeah.
2: What was life like for a fisherman before things changed? I tell you of
3: the quarters. this question, I love answering this. When I started fishing with my father, when I finished school in 88, we worked in small boats. I was told we were catching the aristocrats fish, the lobsters and the crabs and the Mm. shrimps and all the expensive stuff, you know? And there was a massive fleet in Baltimore where we fished out of. And there was 30, 35 boats that are tied up. There'd be five abreast. You know, the biggest panic they had was to build a pier big enough to to accommodate the boats and the vessels and for me during the winter time when you couldn't fish during the, the bad weather you'd be looking for a bird on the boats just couldn't get one you, you your name would go on a list and by the time your name had come up you'd be back into the fishing in the small boats again the season that start that's how vibrant it was Blown in baltimore you know shops and huge activity from the fishing industry down there like it, it was mad you know yeah. it was it was brilliant and it was a great time for everybody, that's down to three or four boats like, that, that's that's the annihilation that's happened, you know, mm. through the decommissioning schemes that, that this country has self-inflicted on itself. Like,
2: So is there families of generations of fishermen now out
3: of the dread? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like too many to count. One of our lads told us he's, there's five new young skippers in, in Union Hall, right? And I know this is going to start to sound bleak to the listeners. They might start to say, Jesus, this fellow has no good news. Mm. But, um, of the five lads now that went and went to college and, and studied to become skippers. And it's not an easy job, like, and it's it's a massive skill set. Um, four of them went to the parents, said, we're going back to college. We're going to try and do something else. They don't see any future. Mm. Now, these families own their boats, lads, mm. right? And these boats are worth millions. So you can imagine now somebody starting up a business, right? It's all paid for. And he goes to the son, there you go, son. And the son says, nah, no, thanks dad. I'm going back to college. Mm. But there's something radically wrong with that.
4: like. Mm it's just not there anymore it's, it's, well the fish are there to me you see this yeah, is the problem like, but the fish are there but, but what's stopping these young lads from actually making the decision to actually get into the family business it's too risky now like you know in if, terms if, if of, of
3: of the regulations that are there you know the 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 amount of fish that you're allowed to catch to stay legal outsider is dwindling and shrinking yeah. and there's no mercy for anybody that steps outside or gets caught with extra fish
4: like and what you know, happens if you get caught with extra, uh, more than your quota
3: yeah so you could have a 1000 euros extra fish in your boat and the yeah. fines were 50000 60000 maybe not only that then your gear was impounded and on top of that no we've penalty points being added to you right so that's a, a tarnish on on you and the boat so that devalues your asset
4: and this this is this is happening and you're fishing what how many miles from Irish shores
3: Oh, you could be up in Norway, or we had boats now that were up around Norway in the last few weeks at Scandia Herring. Like yeah,
4: and they're there within the Irish waters.
3: No, no, they'd be way up in Norway. But yeah. the, in another month now, they'll be heading down to the Bay of the Biscay to go at uh, tuna, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and trying to make a living down there. They go anywhere where they can mm-hmm. try and get a bit of quota just to be, stay viable, you know.
2: Why, why and when did the quotas come in and what are the quotas?
3: So quotas are what the European Union govern, how much fish can be taken out of a stock at any one calendar year so that next year the babies come in and replenish. So there's another age group, right? So it it keeps the stock healthy. And the people that give advice now are called ISIS. You know, these are scientists from all over the world and they do a lot of work now yeah. and they're paid for by the European Union to do this work. So they set an overall in quota. I brought the Marine book there with me. Mm-hmm. And if you go into one of the species, you'll see that there's three different ranges, right? So you have a lower range, a middle range and an upper range. They never give the middle range, but they set this wor- word is called maximum sustainable yield. Right. And you'd hear then all in the radio, all the bad news, fishermen are overfishing, they're catching too much fish, but they're not, right? And and I'll explain why. Everybody would have to exceed their quota before any stock would be exceeded. Plus it would have to be on the higher range rather than the lower range. So there's misinformation being given out there, but we don't get enough quota. I gave a list there of of the stuff that's there and you see all the different countries that are coming into our waters. Some are catching up to 34,000 tons of certain species in our waters. We get zero back in their waters. Like, How does that work? Like, isn't that the EU like, like free travel, we can go to
2: Spain and work and live. They can come here. Their fishing boats come here. We can go there. Is that not how it works?
3: Well, you see, the way I describe this is, is you remember back in our history, right, of the, of Europe, where yeah. countries in Europe went to foreign countries and put up their flag and they said, well, we own this place now, like, you know, yeah. you've seen it in Australia, you've seen it in America. Yeah. Well, I see no difference to what happened in 1973 and up to 1983 here. So what happened was we had vessels and boats coming from all over Europe to go fishing in our waters mm. and they were catching fish here. And the Icelandic people decided that they were fed up with people going to their water. So they said, we're going to extend our exclusive zone to 200 miles. So everybody's followed suit. Okay. But because all these countries were fishing inside, sharing the resource, they took a picture in time. So they said, everybody show us what you're catching. And then they said, right, that's it for the future. No change. The easiest way to describe this now to everybody is this. Can you imagine if a a lad jumped into a, a high Mac, and he was in the diamond fields of Africa, right? Mm. And he was digging up diamonds, good all, right? right? And a local fella came up and he said, "Listen, what are you up to?" And he got, he was handed a shovel, right? So your man goes away with the shovel digging for diamonds. Then the next year when the season starts again, back comes the German with his high and he looks out to his right and he sees another high mech, not as new or as good as his one, but a high all the same. He mm. looks over and it's the fella he gave the shovel to, right? So. This is what would happen if it was fishing. He would jump out of the high He would walk over and knock on the door and he'd say to your man, what are you doing? And your man would say, listen, thanks very much. You gave me a shovel. I found a few diamonds. I bought my high I'm as good as you know. Oh, no, he says, you're going to dig away more diamonds with that high Mac. You have to go back to the shovel. That's exactly what happened with fishing. We had modern boats coming into our waters, catching fish and bringing it back to their countries to big lucrative markets. Mm. So they had better ships and better conditions. So they had a massive advantage over our small fleet. Mm. We didn't have the track record and the landings and the markets for our fish. So then they said, right, that's it. We're not going to change anything. We're going to set it in stone. The only way that we're going to change it is if the fish itself, the numbers get better so we can give everybody a bit more, right? So... Another way of describing this for the listeners is this, if you were inside in a restaurant and the chef was going to feed the Spanish men, the French man, and the Irish man the same way, right. As he gives out the fishing quarters, the Spanish man would have a, a plate of food that you couldn't see him. It'd be in front of him, like a tower, like yeah. the like the, uh, the Eiffel tower in front of him, the same with the French men, right. And the Irish man would have a nice bit of food but he'd eat it all the same. Mm. But you still just see the top of the head of the Spanish fella and the French fella by the time they'd be eating, right? When there's an increase, you have to give the increase in the same ratio as what you got to start off with. So you'd have the chef coming out and he'd get a, a, a teaspoon and throw a few spoons onto the Irishman's plate. Yeah. He'd go for a shovel then to fill the food onto the Spanishman's plate, yeah. knowing he could never finish it. Is that is
2: it based off like the population of those countries? No, it was based on track record. It
3: was based on who was good at the time. So like, do you know the, another way of describing it? It'd be like Ferrari, right? Mm. So it'd be like Ferrari setting up a, a, a racetrack, right? And you know the Irish fella turns up with a, with a, with a go-kart. Right, mm. and over the years, the Irish will get better and get the Ferrari car. But he said, No, 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 you can't use the Ferrari car because that's we. I started with the Ferrari yeah. motor car, you have to go back to the go kart and so, we'll race. So, it, totally disadvantaged. You
2: spoke there about like uh, Iceland extending, you their exclusive by 200
3: miles in other countries following suit. Did we do that? We did, but you see, we didn't take it ourselves, Europe took it. So, Europe extended all their waters, including the UK. Um, Denmark, uh, Sweden. So the whole that you see in the map there in front of you shows the entire area of Europe, you see, Mm. and that's everybody. But the problem is, is that we're giving 30 or sorry, 29% of the waters now, right? That's what we have of the 100% European but we still get around five percent of the whitefish, like, and in some quarters it's even less. Is there
2: other European countries in a similar situation to Ireland?
3: No, like Belgium now would have around forty kilometers of of, of coastline, forty mm. kilometers, so and they they they've they've bigger and better boats than us now coming over, and they're landing into our place. They're fishing in our waters, they land here, fill the trucks full of fish, and send it back to Belgium.
4: How can how can country like I'm looking at this document here and it says the French quarters in Irish waters. And the Irish quarter in French waters. Say so for there's twenty three thousand five hundred tons of hake taken from Irish waters by French trawlers, and in French waters the Irish trawlers take no hake yep. because they're not lo- allowed into French waters. Well, they don't have a quota there. You see, there's no quote, But how? How is that not happening? Why is there no quota there? Because we because, didn't
3: have it when they said the, when they closed it down. See what they did is they took a picture in time yeah. in nineteen
4: eighty three, right?
3: And they said, right, this is it. This is what you have. This is what you'll keep. So there's no changing it. So no matter what, like you, you can't get a, an increase in quota unless there's a complete review of the common fishery policy.
4: Who, who, who made, who, who, who actually made these? Rules and laws. Our,
3: government, our government, and they've stood by this for years,
4: but and it doesn't make sense, of course. It doesn't no. like and if you, you, it, it, it isn't it a natural kind of way to be in, in giving share. And here, lad? that's your 50, and that's that's our 50 well, from what I'm looking at here. I'm going to go down to S- the Spanish quarters in Irish waters. You have 42,000 tons of blue whiting taken from Irish waters by the Spanish trawlers. We take absolutely zero tons of blue whiting from any Spanish waters. We're not not even one fish from Spanish waters of any kind.
3: We might get a bit of tuna down there, you know, yeah. but um, that's basically it. Um, down the Bay Biscay. Or you wait till they come into our waters and catch them here. But the prices are better when you catch them below and you're lending them straight into the market and there's less diesel being burnt and boats go down there at the start because it's their s- stalemate for 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 the year. You know, a lot of boats don't have a lot of opportunities. So tuna would be one of the ones they dedicate themselves for. So we'd have members in our organization oh, that's their bread and butter for the year, you know? What's the, the, yeah.
2: go What's the morale like of the people working in the fishing industry in mm-hmm. Ireland?
3: Do you know, it's surprisingly good. You know, I've have, I've have, I have, I have led. Now that are actually buying new boats and taking a risk. No, <laughs> granted, if you if you asked them uh, six months ago, would they buy the same boats? They probably say no, but they ordered the boats years ago, and and they're going forward with their businesses. And some fellas are resilient, you know, yeah. and and they do try and stay you, going. They, are they've are no just choice. Just swimming upstream, like all the time. I, up against, I, It's not upstream. It's up against the rapid. It's a waterfall. You're trying to get up, like mm-hmm. you know, it. it Genuinely, no, lads. I'm not joking. You know, it's crazy that our country, with the richest fishing grounds in in Europe, are the only ones following Brexit that have to leave their boats. That businesses are going out, and it's not just a boat. You know, parking it for a while, and we'll come back to it later. This is Irish people's right to fish off our coastline is being extinguished forever. So there's no going back to 400 boats like. Mm -hmm. Once these boats leave the Irish fleet, they're being bought for good and glory, like, you know, it's like some farmer being told, listen, thanks, we bought the land now, but it'll never again be used, you know, not by you. You might see Pierre or or Jose or or Zeke or somebody coming in from one of the other countries to to use it, but no Irishman can use it or a woman you know or even a, a repatriated person into ireland couldn't use it like this is a natural resource that the people of ireland don't realize it's like the oil and gas do you know mm-hmm. what i mean like the corrupt, we're, we're, the corrupt, yeah, yeah the, the carib you know like we, we did the right thing with the kinsale gas field right and then we lost our way but this is happening now again with our fishing industry like and once it's gone it's gone and these are families that have like my family I can go back three or four generations in the fishing industry like they won't get me out no point do yeah. but like uh, my son will stay in there and hopefully my grandson when it comes along if it comes along yeah. will do the same like you know we come from a, we're very proud of what about um, let's say uh, for example
2: Pedro the sailor man pulls into the I don't know Bear Island and the waters around it is there animosity between them no way-
3: no definitely not lads because we're all sailors and we know what it's like to be a fisherman it's and a tough going uh, lads, listen, the easiest I can describe this was, um, I'll, I'll have to mention them, Damien Turner and Catherine. So he's brilliant. This guy is our chairman now in the South and West. And he's not on his own now. There's a lot more. So I'll be giving out to, for singling him out. But this is true. So Damien would go to sea for five or six days, right? He'd come in, but the next day he'd be spending it getting the boat ready to go out again. And he'd be out again and once he's caught he's out again so he could be fishing 20 actual calendar days in the month he could be another four days getting the boat ready maybe five mm. that's the dedication that that man puts into to, to to pay for the futures for the crew and the lads that are there like a lovely story i'll tell you it was was this one of the crewmen's daughters right came on board the boat but the crewman had been gone for 10 years so this girl came in, she was in her 20s, like, and she came in to shake Damien's hand to thank him because she was able to go to college, do everything, you know, and make, move on in life from the money that her father earned on the boat. Like, you know, that's that that's what is really important. That's what we're going to lose. Mm. We're going to lose the ability to sustain ourselves in our do own you know, country. Do
2: you know if you're um, like, is there seasons then like
3: where do you, do you, you don't go out in like January and December or like, how does it work? so th- that's back to the russian thing again you know we didn't have enough fish for the porcupine prawns so we we closed the fishery for january right so it was really important then to start off in february because lads hadn't earned much right so they had to get out there for this lucrative fish so you can imagine then if in the middle of it right after steaming out 200 miles burning all that diesel you be told listen turn around and go back in because the Russians are here. You have to move out the way. That's why we were so adamant that nobody was going to tell us to leave the vision ground. It wasn't just the Russians, like it was our own people. And if people look back, they'll see that we were being tried to put off the ground. So there's a season there. So that season now um, is, is there for the next three months. We're going to close it again for May, June and July for conservation reasons to yeah. allow the fish to recover and come back and spawn and breed. We're doing the right thing. Yeah. Imagine somebody telling you that doesn't park up the car or the taxi, yeah. you know, for three months. And It's like but, a farmer putting a field offside for a yeah, season or yeah. something. You know, so like we, we do the right things. Yeah. And so we'll be hoping then to get a swap, right? We don't have the quota. So what we'll do now is bargain with the other countries for our own fish back to try and get them out there again in October or November. For a couple of months for the christmas market so if we can get a five year five month fishery out of 12 outside there we're we're, we're happy with that yeah and that's crazy like that's that makes no sense do you know yeah. when the fish are ours like and i'm and, and i know i'll be criticized for saying that but these fish spawn and breed inside our waters they don't move right these fish the prawns they're in their burrows they're mm-hmm. in irish ground irish water and yet we can't get enough fish to sustain our fleet and, like, look, it's it's heartbreaking, to be honest with you, to be describing this because mm. there's probably fellas listening to this. It's not going to do their mental health any good, do you know? But, like, you have it mental, to say it. Is that mental health issues oh, amongst? Absolutely. Of course what you can suicide? Imagine? Luckily enough, no. Yeah. no. So far, touch wood. And please God, it'll never mm. be an issue. Uh, not that I know of. But, look, mm. we lose lads to the sea over the side and stuff mm. like that. Yeah. We did lose a, a lad off Wexford like, and they don't know... Yeah. the reason why but he, he 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 voluntarily jumped over the side you know what I mean yeah. so whether he did it for different reasons yeah. but that's the only one that yeah. I would say look that devastated the, the people that owned that boat knocked them for six like you yeah. know it really did like it's you're losing a family member. Yeah, do you know, course, you're working yeah. with lads for years and board a boat. You mm. depend on each other. Like if somebody makes a mistake, it could cost you an arm or a leg. Mm. Do you know? The, the, there's there's massive tension and ropes and wire and stuff outside. They're like, mm. it's a specialised job. Not everybody can do it. And I know.
4: we have rough waters in this well, country. Yeah. They're getting rougher. We have, <laughs> we have, we have rain probably eight to nine months of the year. Yeah. And then winds. So it must be, must be, ridiculously hard.
3: So i tell you let's make a living. Yeah. And not only that, right. So I was talking to the lads, one of our bigger
4: members, I asked him
3: in an interview that we did at, at one of the presentations and I asked him straight up. I said, listen, how much did it cost you to put the boat into the boat yard last year and paint her and get her ready, like do a few knick No major overhauls, no engine overhauls or new equipment or anything else? 80 grand. 80,000, right? that's an awful lot of money to have to make Jeez. back in pure profit, you know, for just maintaining the boat, just painting or making sure she's fine. And they do that every year. So the fees there are exorbitant. Do you know how much it is to stay legal with um, the Wi-Fi to be able to transmit and send the data in? Right? You imagine if you got a bill from Sky mm. for this, 800, 500 to 800 a month. That's what they're paying, like, to have Wi-Fi in the boats. Not just for the crews now, mm. which they do have. It's 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 a good amenity to have. Who's, but it's, to, who's the supplier then? Either a Spanish company, normally, like, you know. And why
4: so? Why so? Um, is it because of why so much? You need,
3: you, because it's outside in the sea, like, so they have the domes and it's expensive. Mm. So this, this is the charge. You have no choice but to pay it. You see, if your equipment isn't working to me, you can't go to sea. Mm. You're stopped from fishing, like, yeah. it's a control measure. We had a lad from England that came over in the boat. This is a true story now, right? So I was actually over in Europe in front of EFCA, the European Fishery Control Agency, right? And they were trying to bring in new regulations and stuff like that. And I said, listen, we have no problem in bringing in stuff that'll help make sure everything's okay, but not as a control measure. And the difference between a control measure, right, is, is this. If something goes wrong, you're illegal and you're, you're beaten with a stick. And They wanted to put equipment on the outside of the boat, Right. And then I said, hold on a second. This is new technology. What happens if it breaks? Oh, you'll have to get it fixed. I said, right. At the moment in our country, if it breaks, you can't go to sea. So the only way you can fix it is, remember what I said about taking the boat out of the water and putting mm. it up in the boat chart. You're talking 20 grand. <laughs> Imagine a fellow going out. Next thing it breaks down, he comes in. He has a 20 grand bill just to fix something. That is not going to have anything to do with the fishing. It's just a monitoring control tool, right? But they turn it into a control tool. And she said, I don't believe you. And I said, hold on a second. I said, I am after getting a text from one of my skippers. And here's the story. The lad he hired on the boat for a skipper was an English lad. And the equipment wasn't working when he was leaving port, genuinely, right? But he knew how to fix it. So he said he'll get it fixed by the time he gets to the fishing ground. It was nine hours, right? So he wouldn't waste time. Because as you said, you're chasing the weather clock. You have to get out there when the weather is fine, right? So he went out and he fished away and he fixed it, right? So as he was fishing away, he was out there for five days and he was coming in. Do you know what happened to him? He was met by the Navy 30 miles from the gap and they escorted him in and arrested him. Because the gear wasn't working going out. Now, everything was legit. All his quarters were perfect. There was nothing else wrong with the boat, Mm -hmm. right? Just because the equipment wasn't working when he went out. So, they went in in front of the judge, right? And the judge said, you broke the law. Your man said, well, you know, at home, it wouldn't be an issue, right? He fined them three grand. But here's where the story gets sticky, let's. So, your man pulls out the checkbook, the boat owner, because he was given a choice, either the district or the uh, the circuit court, right? Mm -hmm. And... You know, if the fine's up in the next court, yeah. 50 grand, like. So he said, ah, oh, look, I'm going to get my boat out fishing. I'll take my medicine, even though I don't agree with it. Right? So you pull out the checkbook. Just as the judge said to him, bring in cash. I don't want the check. That's, That's no lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent me the handwritten receipt for the cash. He was Picture of it. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy whatsoever. Have you any uh, TDs side with you? In fairness, now the West Cork men, um, Michael Collins, the famous name, yeah. um, is very vocal for us. Like, is he sure. Sinn Fein? No, no, he's independent. Independent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. Sorry, yeah. But like uh, the, the Sinn Fein then is Patrick McLachlan. Yeah. And uh, there's another girl now, Becky um, Keeley. She's running for A2. But like, to be honest with you, one party that really disappoints me is, is the Social Democrats. Like, you know, mm. I think there might be a difference in personality there with their TD because she won't come near me, you know. And like we had protests and everything else and didn't even bother to turn up. Mm. And it's the biggest industry in, in, in West Cork. Like, you know, the fishing industry yeah. is huge. Yeah. So when you see deputies that won't come to the likes of that, like, it's, you know, it's a sad indictment for them. Like It is, yeah. a, And to be Have honest, ever- another, another politician that's really letting us down as well, too, is, is our MEP. Who, who actually looked to go on the fishing committee in in Brussels. And I've no problem naming these people because if they do right, I'll, the, they'll get a pat on the back. Who's the MEP? So, Grace O'Sullivan. So we had a meeting in Cork, And three turned up to it, Deirdre Clune, Mick Wallace, and uh, Billy Keller, right? And they listened to what we had to say, and they couldn't believe. Just like yourselves, they were shocked at what they were reading. They just like, Jesus, this is crazy, lads. We're annihilating our uh, our own fishing industry, our own people, our own families are being put out of business to make room for the other people in Europe. Like, Grace O'Sullivan never even turned up. She was too busy looking to give us a kicking. So there's a flexibility... In our landings, if you land more than 10%, you're illegal, right? So you've got the 10% margin that if you go up or down, under as yeah. well as over, yeah. right? Okay. So if you under declare, you get arrested for that as well. She wanted that changed. She wanted to reduce to four or 5%. Do you know that she was the first person to call meetings to get rid of the, the subsidy for fuel for agri-fuel before the crisis? What's her well, problem? Like? This, yeah. yeah.
0: Because they're, they're,
3: they're obsessed. They think that, you know, we should change over to electricity. We're going to ring the the country with wind farms and everything else. We're running electrical cables through spawning grounds, you know, we're fish, breed embryos. We don't know what effect that's going to be like, Mm. you know, and I'm talking about not just in one area, you're talking about a web. So wherever these things are, like they're, they're everywhere. Does a trawler run on diesel? It does, yeah. Well, yeah.
4: It, it, it. Green diesel. Green it's diesel, yeah. Good. Green
3: diesel, yeah. I, you wouldn't be able to get a hybrid or electric Toronto would you? But we're talking about that, you see. If, like I said to you, if a boat is willing to spend 80,000, right, on a paint job, There is no problem for him to go in and invest in an engine for half a million, even a million, if he'll get it back over time, especially if he's saving. But the technology isn't there. So you're beating somebody with a stick, telling him to do something. You're going, stop beating me because Jesus Christ, if you give me the engine, I'll put it in. I know. So they're putting in electric gearboxes and everything else into the bigger boats. You know, I was talking about doing um, bioengineering, you know, that you change... um, organic material into, into gas yeah. right, and use that to power some of the engines and stuff like that. Like, and when boats come in, they plug into the electricity grids and stuff like that. Mm. So they do that to keep the engines warm and stuff like that, and they turn off.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
3: the engines mm. so they do every single thing that they can do right to cut down on their fuel because they save money so if yeah. you give them something that will help them to be better outside the water they'll be the first ones to jump at it they've modified their gear and keep changing their gear we had a meeting with michael martin inside in, the, in in the co-op in castletown Bear, right in fairness to the man he came down to listen to us yeah and i brought in one of the lads that had been to europe with me over single use plastics directive right and he's a net manufacturer and you know what he said to me, Hal Martin? He says, do you know what my job is? He says "Tishuk, my job is to make nets to stop fishermen catching fish. And that's no word of a lie. So they design nets now to let fish escape and not to go into the nets. thats It's not to catch fish. It's to try and eliminate and chase away the ones mm-hmm. that you're not allowed to catch. Isn't that some statement from a netman, manufacturer? Yeah. like, yeah. you know, the t-shirt had to take a double take. He said, Sorry, what's yeah, a lot, lot of what you're saying is yeah.
2: very fucking like, um, excuse my language, it's like, sorry. but a, it's so mm-hmm. it's hard to get your head around, it's hard to make sense of it. But like, get,
4: that, get your head around these figures, James. It doesn't know? make sense, or it doesn't. No, like, we, in Irish waters, there's 1.6 billion euros worth of fish taken out yearly, and the Irish trawlers they're taking 251 million, which is no brought down to. 210 million, which is just a fraction yeah. of their Irish waters. That
3: was 210 million after Brexit. After Brexit. This year it's down to 170 million because they cut the stocks. And like, we meet the scientists. I'm not going to bore people now, but my job is to learn about the science and understand about the biomass. That's yeah. the size of the fish. The recruitment, when the fish comes back into the stocks. Um, the F ranges, which is the mortality, how much fish not only die through fishing, but die of old age and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And then the last one then is the one that the European Union sets is is how much fish you get the MSY, right? So you, you look at all those information that comes in and you set the trend, right? So the three years first in in the five-year cycle is to say what happened in the history. And then you look at the last two to see is the trend going up or going down. And if the trend is going up, you get more fish, right? And we have stocks there that are going up and everything is right and still they're cutting the quota. So there's something else political behind that that's cutting it. Do you know what the ironic thing about that MEP is?
2: She's probably burning jet fuel, traveling to and from Brussels back to Cork or back to Ireland. Oh, yeah. And they, that's not very uh, eco-friendly, is it? No, no. But and just... so, a lot of it is so ironic and hip, 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 uh, hypocritical, yep. you know. Yeah. And like it, the likes of Eamon Ryan and others, because he's the minister, Like, they want people to turn into you know, electric cars, but electric cars are the most expensive cars you can buy. Yeah.
3: but it's not only that let's yeah. say like we, you, we, we all understand? can't afford teslas yeah. do you know what but, I mean? but can yeah. you imagine no seriously right if you look into the car park alongside us there's probably 400 cars right we just do the maths so each one of them is an electric car so each one of them needs a plug-in point right to charge itself and it takes an hour to charge them that's 400 hours of charging so to charge those cars in an hour you need 400 plug-in points mm-hmm. where are they You know, this aspirational stuff has to be born in reality. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I've worked all my life. I started working in a small shop at the age of 12 part-time, right? And I worked on the farm with my father from the age of eight. I was fishing at the age of eight. And you have to understand nature and the environment and everything else that you're doing. And at the end of the day, you have to turn a pound, right? You have to look into the wallet at the end of the week and know there's enough there for next week. I don't think these people live in that reality. Mm. I genuinely don't. Mm believe that these people understand what it's like to be an ordinary Joe soap in this country that's going from week to week, you know, with the arse falling out of his pocket, trying to survive. And then they're told, listen, we're going to throw another 20 euros on you next week for carbon tax. Why? Because our 0.00003% of our contribution to the planet is destroying the planet. And Mm -hmm. you're just going, are you nuts or what? Like, we have to live here. Do you understand? Like, we got rid of the sugar. Um, production in our own country, so we're importing sugar. Now, I'd say the carbon footprint of that is through the roof. We got rid of making our own fertilizer in this country. Another carbon footprint through the roof. But the worst thing of all for me is, this is the lunacy of the Green Deal, right? The Green uh, Agenda. We are importing peat to grow food from Germany into our own to leave our own peat where we have in the ground. Like, what sense does that make? Like, so you're importing
2: earth into... how do those policies get passed? Like oh, is there
3: any oversight or so- scaremongering? Absolute scaremongering.
4: You know, like, no, I just wanted to get that point down there because that was a very valuable point about the peace, like we <laughs> yeah. true. We're, we're we have peace all over our country mm. and we're buying it in from different countries. It just yeah. does not make sense. It's not sensible. It's lunacy. It's mm. you know and, and, and what's t- the meaning behind that?
3: Just just scaremongering, you know, like, it, you know, we have to do this. We have to do it. You're being forced into it and you're being told this is what the people want. I, I'd love to meet somebody in the street that would tell me that that makes sense. Mm. How could that make sense in this world? Like, as I said, I'm working all my life. I'm living in the country. I built my own house. Genuinely, I worked. I, I did the block work, the dead work. I was there for the plaster. I passed them in the blocks. I wasn't a tradesman, but I was his helper. Yeah. We put up the roof, the joists. We slated the roof. You know, the only thing I didn't do in my own house was the electrics. Mm. I wasn't good enough that I even helped the plumber lads. Mm. My brother's a Tyler. We whipped ourselves to get that house built, mm. genuinely, to keep the cost down. And it saved ten years of my life on the mortgage by doing it. Yeah. So I understand what it is to use your hands. But I don't think these people are using their heads like, mm. I don't think they're looking at the real world of the people mm. that are outside there or suffering and they just can't get it. Have you ever
2: had um, a collective action amongst fishermen like the farmers would fucking pack up on Grafton Street with yeah. their tractors? Have you ever... Right looked-
3: outside the door here, we brought 50 vessels, 60 vessels up to the quayside. Where by the port of car? Oh, yeah, in the port Car. Right? right. It was it the last time that was done, lads, it was before my time now, um, involved in representing the biggest part of the industry, right? And they dropped um fellas into the boats to take over command of the boats to get them out of the way. Since then, they have introduced laws um that are massive fines for interfering with the traffic in the port. Plus you're liable to be sued by the other users of the port for losses in their day-to-day running. So the jeopardy for boats. So we decided to do it the right way. We did it the gentleman way, right? And we brought the boats up And we wanted to show the people of Cork and Ireland, these are the boats. Look at these fantastic vessels. Fellas invested millions of euros into these boats, right? Mm. They're worth millions. And yet our government has come up with a figure that these boats are only worth one million and you're going to scrap them. And not only that, you have to go to the pain of scrapping it yourself. Tearing it apart and just destroying what you've built up all your life. So you go through that torture. Rightly so you look after your crews and everything else like, you know, what's left for the the fella that's there. And I was told by a senior politician, "Ah, Asher Patrick, you can't expect the fella to get millions out of this like. He's lost the plot and I'll explain why, right? These boats are worth millions. So if they sold them, if the market was good and there was plenty fish there, they wouldn't be looking For the measly 1 million euro that's going to be thrown at them, right? Half the value of the boat. They'd sell it for the 2 million. Mm. But because we were robbed of 25% of the fish that we were allowed to catch in our own water, and I'm stressing this point, we were robbed. Unless a politician is going to admit that he gave away our fish, then that means we didn't agree to it. That means the European Union robbed 25% of our fish and gave it to the UK. So they could keep selling cheese and wine and cars into the UK and the UK could sell their products back into the EU. And we paid the price for that. Mm. There was 176 million was the bill and we paid 50 million of that. There's eight other countries. So we were robbed like, and Mm. I mean robbed. So, and not only did they pay with that fish. They also paid with the fish in our waters. So the way to get technical in this, Europe is get, were given the right to manage our fish stocks, but they weren't given the fish. They were only given the right to come in and catch them. So if the fish disappeared, then their rights disappeared with them. But this was the first time in the history, right, of our state where a right was turned into a commodity where they could swap our fish that they were allowed to catch to the UK for better deals under the TCA for their trade deals in Europe. Now, if that's the Europe that we signed up to, we would want to rewrite the the script, you know, Mm. and this is what's happening. Like we're being Mm. robbed. Where do we go from here? Yeah. People need to know what's going on. They have to know that this it's, it's the fishermen today. It will be somebody else tomorrow. The politicians that we have, and I don't care calling them out, are the ilk that nothing's not oh, on the oh, table, oh, the touch everything's the... on the table. Anything that you need, anything to keep the status quo going and keep the, the funds coming in from Europe and the money coming in from Europe, the, the loans. And they are loans, we're not getting it free. We have to pay it back. It, 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 we'll sell off the silverware. We'll mm-hmm. sell the short offer back. That's the way I see it. And that's why we hear about the carbon footprint for farmers. Look, I'll, I'll explain it to you this way, lads. Carbon is the food for plants. Simple as that. Carbon gas is what plants use um, in photosynthesis to grow and create oxygen, right? But you don't hear that from the scientists. So that's why our country is getting greener. Now, if anybody turns around to me and says that we are not a carbon sink for Europe, off their afterheads. How can you say the green grass that grows, the hedgerows, everything that's green around our country? It'll come up through the tarmac Adam, if you, don't, if you let it. It'll come up through the roads. That's how green our country is. And we're told that we've got higher carbon footprint than anybody else on the planet. I'd love to see the way that they're calculating it because it makes no sense to me. Mm.
2: Absolutely We, we might get somebody on to talk about that. Mm. And I know like uh, UCC monitors the air, mm. the quality of the air in Cork City. And like the quality of the air on Cork City is mm. terrible in com- compared to the cities in Europe, do you
4: know. Yeah.
2: Is it? Yeah. The shocking the pollution uh, in Cork City. Uh, anyway. And so I seen something on Twitter the other day around... Um, carbon and if we overuse our quota of carbon we have to get it from other countries and that can be seen as a form of colonization because sometimes we take it from the poorer countries. well
3: here's here's one for you now, right? So if you hear the NGOs and the green people and the Green yeah. Party, they'll tell you that trawling, bottom trawling, is tearing up carbon all over the place and it's putting up as much carbon into the sky, right? So I sat down with Minister Noon and I said, right, turn it on its head. Right? So where you're saying all this carbon is being sequestered, let the boat stay out of it, right? If there's millions and millions of tons being sequestered by the sea. We don't have to get carbon anywhere. It's already in the seabed. So by staying away from that area, we should be getting carbon credits for that. But it's the fishermen who are staying away from the area needs to get the credit for that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that makes sense. So if a farmer is told, listen, you can't farm here because we're going to grow plants and trees and stuff in your land, right? Which is happening. Why can't that same ideology be given to the fishermen? Mm. And then we have no problem with carbon because the maps I show you can show you we're, we're on the continental shelf. That means we're on a volcanic plateau, right? And that means the sunlight can penetrate right down to that. And all the the, the life grows from that. Nutrients yeah. are there. We have the Gulf Stream coming up with all the nutrients in the warm water, right? That's that's why we are in an ideal position for a Fishing industry, quite mm-hmm. right? the best in the world, but we're being put off the water, it's been taken away from us, it's been gifted to somebody else. But the carbon they can't take, Jesus, if they start taking that, lads, it's all over. Like, do you know, they'll be coming in and, and, and taking the food off your plate at night, you want you'd have to eat quick. That That's yeah. the way it's going, as far as I can see it. <laughs> yeah. I know. Do, you want, I to, do you want
2: to talk to us a bit, little bit about uh the Russian situation? What was that like? And I know
3: you, 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 are a role in all of that. Well, how that started was um, Niall Duffy, the editor, of the skipper came into me and he said, did you hear about this? And I said, I did. But like the w- paperwork now that you see in front of yourself there, that's, that's only two nights work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have to put that together in a couple of nights. So I was doing something like that, a project to try and find solutions. We always come with solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Our organization will never go to Europe or anywhere else without a solution to the problems that are being presented. I can guarantee you that. And mm. and usable, workable solutions as well. Unfortunately, they're not listening. And afterwards, then when it's too late, they say, oh, that was a good idea, but uh, too late now. So back to the Russian thing. So he came in and he told me and I said, yeah, um, fine. What are we going to do? He said, we'll put out a press release. And I said, fair enough. I said, look, we'll throw it together now. So we started chewing over it. And in fairness to Niall Duffy, he went away and he put it together and he sent it back to me and we worked on it together and he put it out, right? How far out, in the, off the course was the Russians? 200 miles. So they were just on the edge of our economic zone. Oh, now, what were they doing? Drills, training drills. Training drills, yeah. But like, they no, this, different to the other training drills. So normally they'd have sonars and stuff like that trying to find ships and submarines yeah. underneath them and they'd be playing war games, tagging fellas where they are and all around the place. This time now they were firing ordnance up into the sky, you know, to see how well the weapons were working and how well the tracking was working and the missiles and stuff like that. But like, that's testing. What if one went wrong? Like I know, you know, I know. So like, you'd be saying, Jesus, this is nuts. So that was the change from previous drills. And there was other drills going on outside there. We we're never told anything about this. <clears throat> we see them on the horizon. They're flying around the place. The lads just get on with their business of fishing. And as long as they stay away from the fishing boats, the fishing boats will stay away from them. We just tow a line pull the nets along the bottom and contrary to what people think, like you see a boat on the horizon, the nets are maybe a couple of hundred meters wide behind her. So like, they're not tearing up the sea ocean floor. Like, you know, you can imagine that being a paintbrush to be back and forth a lot of time before you would cover the ground, you know? So anyway, back to the Russian thing. So the other information that we cannot give out fully is that we had done some research online And there was some scary stuff online. So we sent that to the ambassador and we said, well, what about this? And he said, look, um, come up and talk to us. Is this the Russian ambassador? The Russian ambassador, yeah. So he invited us up. So I got on to a colleague of mine, uh, Brendan Byrne. And I said, "Listen, I'm going to the Russian ambassador. Would you would you come along? You know, you will represent the processing side. I'll represent the catching side, and we'll cover both sides of the industry. And we'll go in and talk to this man, and that's what happened. We went in and talked to him, and his knowledge, lads, to be honest with you, was phenomenal on what he knew about the history of the fishing rights and stuff like this, and how yeah. Europe. And he he reckoned Europe wasn't very kind to us, you know." But um, we asked him about the war, of course, and stuff like that. It wasn't taboo. (laughs) You can hear from this interview. I wouldn't stand back from anyone for for a chat. And uh, he said, look, he said, there's a lot of misinformation coming out and stuff like that. And he said, hopefully that'll be worn out in time. And he said there was no intention whatsoever at that time for the um, borders to be crossed genuinely. And he said that um, the troops along the border are there all the time. It's just that they were doing exercises at that stage. And I think the rhetoric and the stuff that went on more or less drove people to war. And I said this in the interviews and I'm delighted that I was um, corrected, um, not corrected, but vilified. Or, or, or What's the word I'm looking for? Verified. Verified. Yeah. That what I was saying we was We don't true. want to be vilified. Yeah, yeah vilified. Oh. So there's enough of that going on. Yeah. <laughs> but like there was a, a man spoke in the United Nations and he said, this is crazy. We have to stop. Both sides have to stop. It's not worth it. You're killing people and killing people on both sides. That's all that's happening here. You're flattening buildings. People are getting killed. You know, people have a right to defend themselves but crushing them into the ground. You know, there's no freedom in that. Mm. So there has to be peace talks. But this man proved after that meeting to me, right, that he was telling the truth. And the reasons being is that what he said to us came true, right, Mm. to us. And um, he said, the doll. And he said it in front of the Iraqis Committee. And um, Charlie Flanagan asked him the question. He said, why aren't you doing what you did with the fishermen three weeks ago now and contacting the Russians and asking them to stop? So he also confirmed that what the ambassador had said was correct. So this was a government minister who was the Minister for Foreign Affairs, was after confirming what the ambassador had said inside the Dáil was correct, that he had engaged with the fishermen, us, and that uh, they had moved as goodwill gesture out of our area and the importance of that lads is this a bomb or an explosion sends a shockwave right down to the bottom right and that can damage embryos you know yourselves Mm -hmm. like of course it can or damage the seabed yeah so we don't know how bad or how big these were going to be it's Mm -hmm. fragile right so by moving into deeper waters as i said it's like throwing a a pebble into a pond the bigger the pond by the time it gets to the outside The ripples are smaller. Do you know? They've dissipated. So it's the same for us. So we were delighted. That was it. And plus, you have to imagine. We were being told in interviews, like, who the hell do you think you are? And Jesus, do you, do you think he's going to listen to you fellas? Do you mm-hmm. know? There was lots of internet
2: memes going round, or what's the Russian going to do when the Irish you know, fishermen come out and tell them to move on, do you know? But he fucking did it, to be to be honest with you, like, it wouldn't. Well,
3: yeah, there was never any doubt of that. Like, uh, people There was a little to-
2: bit of disrespect towards you, I think,
3: too. Oh, huge, yeah, huge. But, like, look. The- as I said, our fishermen go out in gales and storms like they're not afraid of that. <laughs> and they've seen these boats outside there all the time. Once they knew that we had their back, that the the world was looking at us, that there was protection in that. Mm-hmm. And once we ourselves came back and confirmed what the ambassador had said to us, our lad said, no fear. And sure that was confirmed on the Friday night before they went fishing. Like when the Russians said, right, we're moving away the exercises. No, I gave credit to, to Simon Coveney for writing that letter. I hope he did. I hope that that did happen. I didn't see the letter, but I'll take the man at his word. Yeah. And I, I gave the man a call and I rang Simon and I said, listen, congratulations. Not only that, it achieved, right? So I don't care who gets the accolades as long as the job is done. Of course. That's it. That's what's most important thing. Yeah. So, you know, fair play to him. Great yeah. story, isn't it? Mm. It is, yeah, yeah. something to tell the grandkids. eh. Like. <laughs>
4: What's the ideal scenario for for the Irish fisheries going forward?
3: More quota, and more we have, quota. And, and we're not asking for to take the fish off the other countries, Timmy. Right? Mm. We're not asking to you just give want
4: more of your own.
3: Want to, we want more of our own, and only the fish that they're not catching.
4: Who could actually put this into working for you? Who 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 has the power to sort? Sort this out.
3: It takes, it'll take our Taoiseach, I believe, Taoiseach. to go out there to back up what we're going to be asking for and our Minister and our Minister for Foreign Affairs. We had this meeting with the Taoiseach and with the Minister after Brexit, after the, the 24th of December. I think it was the 28th or 29th in the holiday season. And he said he'd stand by us. And so would Coveney. Uh, and we wanted to live up to that. I know it's a year on or two years on, but we need the head of our country to meet the heads of the countries in Europe and to the commissioners and I and say, listen, here's what the leads have put together. We believe this is a just and right case and we want the common fishery policy review to reflect that because under the uh, legislation, we are entitled to it. If we were under United Nations law, we'd be entitled to a hell of a lot more, yeah. right? And I mean a lot more. And that's United Nations. So we have a seat in the United Nations Security Council, right? So they should be bringing this up as well. Because our industry is being wiped out and people have to understand that. And it's not an exaggeration. And people think that a fellow goes down, throws out a net out over the side and sure, he's a a stupid fisherman. I'd like to see any man alive to go on board a fishing boat and take it out and catch fish in this Mm. day and age. He would crap himself. Mm. There isn't a pilot in the world that would be able to take a fishing boat out to go fishing. Mm. It's not about navigation. It's about the skill of shooting nets, knowing the depth of water, the the towing rate, the speed, mm. tides, wind, the knowledge of where the fish are, your communications, being aware of your surroundings, your heavy equipment, bringing it up, when to bring it up, when to bring the fish in, put it in, store it clean it, put it down into the hold, and at the same time, keep everything running in the boat. So yeah. it's not, a, it's, it's not the same as bringing cargo from of one port not. to the other. It's highly complex, right? Yeah. And on top of that, then you have to fish to a, to a sheet that tells you where you can go. And like, you know what? The worst thing is you'll see on the, the tracking of the fishing boats. You'll see the Irish fellas going around like a blue arse fly outside. He's one minute he's 100 miles west, the next he's 100 miles south, right? The only reason he's doing that is he doesn't have the same quarters as the Spanish and the French and the Belgians have in their specific quarters, that they can stay on the ground where the fish are. An Irish fella's worst nightmare is to catch too much fish. Mm. Can you imagine that, like? Because he can't catch... Next week's fish, because if he catches too much of one type of fish and catches it all in do a week, I mean, do, do he they they go no more. Yeah, oh, going, yeah. He's just about to ask that when so, you come into Harbour like yes. this. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the regime, right? So before you ever leave port, you have to call in. You have to get permission. Well, not permission, but you have to let them know you're leaving within four hours. So there's a time slot on you, right? So you go out fishing then. When you go fishing, you, they know where you are because they track you at all times. And on top of that, then, right, you have an electronic logbook. And in that electronic logbook, you have to detail how much fish you've caught and the quantities and the boxes of fish and where they are. You have to have a hold plan where they're actually in the boat position. So if somebody goes down the ladder into the hold, he can see where the fish are and count them, right? And at the end of each day before midnight, he has to update his logbook and say how much fish is inside the boat, right? So a Navy boat can come alongside the boat at any time. When they go out there, even before they start fishing and start checking the gear and the stuff on board the boat, So before they even go fishing, they can be inspected. So that's the owners that's on them. And here's the best bit, right? Can you imagine before they can put a box of fish in the pier, they have to notify the authorities four hours in advance to let them know they're coming in so that they can come down and check them within those four hours. Yeah, so like, and then you're saying that these fellows are reckless, or they're knowing this and they're doing that.
4: It's unbelievable. Like, why why would they want to be checking your gear? Then pass just one thing checking. You're gonna love
3: this story, Timmy. So one of our guys bought a brand new end of his net. Right, it's called the cut end, Right, it's Mm. where the fish end up inside the hole. Right, in in the back goes right through the funnels and through the wings and into where the fish are caught. Right, Mm. and he went fishing in UK waters. He had the net on two weeks. And an English board came up and arrested him farther than it, right? So what had happened was he had been dragging it through soft mud and the fibres allowed dirt into the mesh, into the, the string, right? And it swelled it. And it went from four millimeter thickness to five, right? And he was arrested because the mesh was too big. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine now somebody like... God almighty. And they stayed on board his boat for eight hours until they found that piece of netting. So they were going, No, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay, until they eventually got him. He dragged into a port in England and he was fined and arrested.
4: Sounds it's like arrested a really arrested. tough industry.
3: It's not fair, like yeah. like so we we you know, we, we if you come down to Castano, oh, you'll see fourteen or fifteen, and again we've no animosity towards the Spanish fishermen. It's not their fault that they're luckier than us to have more quotas, right? Yeah. It's the top tables are the ones that are supposed to share it out. And we want the fish that they're not catching. I want to stress that we only want the fish in our waters that the other boats aren't catching during the year, that they're leaving after them, the, the, the leftovers. That's all we're looking for. And we believe if we had enough leftovers, right? Because they have multiples of our fish. So hake, for instance, we've less than 3,000. Um, the others have over 20,000 tons in the year, like, you know, it, it, it's right across the board it's it's crazy with the amount of fish that we have in our own waters now right mm-hmm. so all we're looking for is a fair deal equal equal rights and equal opportunities is our slogan. Mm-hmm. and and we just want more fish into and that will save us and do you know how much extra we need now 50 million as i said to the commissioner i said it's a you, it wouldn't be a teardrop in the body of of, of the European Commission's yeah. budget, like they're talking and, about a
4: trillion, for and a, that'll bring those four young lads that you back. were talking about will yeah. go back into the industry again, and mm. bring other other and young stop lads the, coming and up.
3: stop the sixty boats being decommissioned. But yeah. we'd need that year on year out, like we'd need that extra fifty million. That would be enough to sustain those sixty boats, like mm. sixty families. But not sixty families that own the boats, right? You've six and seven fellas on board the boat, mm. so that's sixty by seven. I that, do Domestic 420 people, mm. 420 people sustain their livelihoods and their jobs on the water, right? Now, how many more jobs ashore will that create? Like mm. we're talking thousands yeah, and, and the then mix, the food yeah. and, and, and yeah. the money that that'll generate into the economy because that fish is being <laughs> exported. Like, so you're talking about, you're talking, I reckon around a billion euros. Uh, we could get extra, um, from the start to the finish if we got a proper share of fish in our own waters, by the time it'll be wrung out, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, as they say, you bring a, a, a euro ashore, it costs two 10 pair of hens before it gets yeah. out of circulation. That's what I believe with fishing like. So- I
2: hope, it looks, I hope, Micheál Martin, Simon mm-hmm. Coveney and the rest can make it happen. She, do you know, I, I think if it doesn't happen with them in power, it probably won't happen for a long time. Do you know, if you look at, do you know, other ministers that might be uh, have no affiliation towards you or where you're from. You know, and might be way out of touch living in mansions in Dublin and they have no connection at all. Then you're like another generation away from change, yeah. you know what I mean? So I hope it happens soon for you.
3: But it was a pleasure talking to you, Pat. Mm. I hope now you'll you'll say that again in a couple of more interviews. These are men we're talking about. Yeah, I know. And like if they can't do it for their own people, like, you know, yeah. so who are they doing it for? Exactly. Like We want a small bit of sympathy at home and we're not asking for a lot less. Yeah. 50
2: million. They're, worth listen, fish. they're reasonable men. Sure, like they'll they'll do what they can. You would hope, so anyhow, do you
3: know. Well, they they look as I said, Simon Coveney has taken the calls from me, and yeah. uh, uh, Mihan Martin came to Castle Bear. But talking about it is enough. No, we need yeah. action, like, and we have we have a a Common fishery Policy um, Task Force set up, and we're looking for the information now that can show what we're looking for, do you know. And once these people are given that information, it's their job to take that to Europe, and yeah. no. No, it's, the, it's, it's what they have to keep saying if they're not going to get what we need. Like, they yeah. just say, no, we're not agreeing. No, 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 no. And they have to say it until we get a fair share, equal rights, and equal opportunities in our own water. That's yeah. all we're looking for. Yeah. It's a pleasure talking
4: Thanks to you, Pat. Thank Thanks, Thanks for so coming much.
3: on and um,
4: educating us. Very interesting us. conversation. Very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. And uh, shout out to all the fishermen
2: around all who the heart to the match, and you know, stay safe and stay healthy. And and don't, don't forget, everything. now I must
3: bring in those prawns. We'll have to give you a taste. <laughs> i will <I'd> bring them <laughs> on for the curry in a <laughs> I've
4: been prawns for the
3: night. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring that much. No, yeah. because- God bless. Thanks, it. God bless.
4: Thanks, everyone. Hold
0: up! What was that?